All right, so this is the beginning of me doing this differently. Quite a few of you noticed that I took a break from doing the podcast after the last one. I don't remember when that was, but I don't know how else to describe it. I just got tired of all the noise. I got tired of all the voices that are out there, and I didn't want to be one of them for a while. And as I started like thinking about doing more episodes, I realized that like the, the hassle and the hustle and the grind of this is what I don't like. I like doing episodes. I like talking to people who listen to the podcast and who send me emails or texts or, you know, I see them in person. I enjoy that part. I don't like the hustle. I don't like the grind. I don't like the editing. I don't like putting my little song at the beginning. And so I'm just not going to do that anymore. I'm going to make this podcast for the people who like it. And as long as there are people listening, I'll keep doing that. When nobody is listening anymore, I'll stop and I'll be fine with that. So I do want to say thank you to everybody who reached out just to like check on me to see what was going on, to ask where the episodes were. Like everybody was real cool about it. And I appreciate people noticing that it wasn't there. I didn't expect that. Um, so yeah, that's the plan going forward. It's going to be super stripped down. I think it'll still be good information. I think it'll be the things you like. I don't think anybody's listening to this because they want to hear my stupid little songs at the beginning and end. And we'll go from there. I'm just recording it on my computer. I'm just using Descript to edit it to make it all easier for me. So I'd appreciate feedback about the quality. If the quality's dropped significantly, I'll, I'll, I'll fix that. But for now, I think this is a way for me to get episodes out more regularly without it feeling like it's like more of a hassle than it needs to be. So this is the beginning of a series I'm calling You Are Not the Main Character. I've thought about it for a long time. I've made a lot of notes. I've researched what it means to be the main character. And I've really just kind of kept like a, like a little file of ideas based on what I see on social media and different things like that. And I want to start it off by openly admitting that I see myself as a main character sort of in recovery. I don't want this to seem like I'm attacking people or that I am, you know, that older guy who just thinks the younger generation sucks and we got to do something about them. Like, that's not who I am. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm solidly at the very tail end of Gen X. I think I have a lot of Gen X characteristics because I, I hung out with older kids when I was young. But I also see a lot of millennial characteristics in me. And I've spent the last, like, really, like, 15 years working mostly with millennials and, I guess, Gen Z or the Zoomers, as they call them. And I really like both of those generations. I was really kind of bummed out the other day. I was on Facebook. Um, I don't know why I was on Facebook. It was stupid. But I was on there and I saw a group for like Gen X. And the, the thing it showed was uh, it was an Alice in Chains video. And I was like, oh, cool. I'm going to check that out. So I joined the group and I started looking around. And like every post was talking about, you know, don't be offended. And if you're a snowflake, go ahead and leave our group. And I was like, holy shit, like this sounds like something that I'd hear from like a boomer group, you know, that's kind of like, that's what that generation has been tagged with. So I guess I can see where my generation is moving into that phase of thinking the generations after them suck and complaining about it. And I don't, I don't want to be that guy. I don't think, I don't think millennials suck. I don't think zoomers suck. I don't think boomers suck. I don't think Gen X sucks. I think that every generation has its own challenges and its own culture and those things are naturally going to shape how those people in those generations are so i got no i got no issue with anybody one thing i see that really troubles me though is the way that millennials and zoomers have been saddled 
with this notion that they are so, so special. And the reason this troubles me is not because I don't want people thinking they're special. I think you are special. I think you're amazing. But I really think that most of us are special and amazing in our ordinariness, in our ability to be human, in our ability to like just do the things that humans do and live a life with people you love and taking care of what you can take care of. I think there's something really special about that. I see so often, and I talk to people so often who have this sense of inadequacy because they're not quote unquote amazing or quote unquote super special, just all these different things. Like, you know, they're not changing the world. They're they're worried about this. And this is made so much worse by social media and the fact that like everybody is kind of their own little brand or their own like celebrity now. And so we're in this constant comparing where we're looking like, oh, is that person more special than me? Are they more the main character than me? And then I see where, you know, the internet has allowed us to kind of cultivate our own little echo chambers and our own little fandoms. And so I think that people are able to kind of spin out this narrative about themselves all the time. And the thing is, this brings us suffering. We are not happy when we think we're the main character because we're not. So talking about myself as the main character, I don't think that my parents instilled this idea of specialness or being the main character in me. I was raised by pretty like down-to-earth, working-class parents. My dad's a construction guy. They always had their own businesses, and they worked hard, and they never, they never made me feel that I'm one in a million or something like that. They did have high expectations of me, and I think at times I felt like no matter, no matter what I did, it was never good enough, and so maybe this instilled a sense that I had a higher purpose or that I could be doing more. I wasn't living up to my, my potential, but that, that was never told to me directly by my parents. I didn't, I wasn't the kid who, you know, they made sure I got a trophy and patted on the back for everything I did. Now, when I say about not living up to my potential, that has been maybe the thread throughout my life that I've heard the most is people telling me, you're really smart. You, you, you have so much talent. You have so much potential. And then it was always added on, but you're not living up to it. But this, this put this idea in my head that there was always more I could be doing. And, you know, so maybe that's part of it. I think that a lot of the media and different stuff from the 80s was always telling us that you've got this higher purpose and you've got, you can overcome anything and you can do anything. You know, that was just, that was so present in our cartoons. And I remember some of the commercials and stuff. And so, yeah, that, that probably, that had to, you know, that had to seep into me in some way. Growing up in a Christian environment in the 80s and 90s, you were told that God has some amazing special plan for you and, you know, you're supposed to do so much for the kingdom of God. And I think, you know, maybe those things are true, but uh, when you tell a kid that, they picture themselves like, I don't know, like saving millions of people or like going and being a missionary and turning a whole country around. That was just like the, that was just like what was fed to us. But one thing I really look back on and think affected me was Calvin and Hobbes. I had every book. Uh, when I got money for anything, birthday, whatever, that's what I went and got. Uh, you know, growing up in the mountains, up in the middle of nowhere, you know, we had to drive to Albuquerque to find any real stores. And that's the first thing I got my parents to do was take me to, to, to go find Calvin and Hobbes books. And I really liked this kid, Calvin, and he was you know, from like a fan's perspective, he was funny and he did these zany things. 
I think from like anybody who would have had to deal with Calvin, he would have been a real shit to deal with. But I really got locked into this idea with him of like, oh, I like this kid. He's always doing something. And so I started being that way. I was real into professional wrestling and comic books. And you know, you watch wrestling and you see these, I mean, these dudes are larger than life. And one guy will fight like 10 people and you know, he'll be unconscious and he'll fight his way back to consciousness to save the day. And you read a comic books and it's the same thing. And so I think all these larger than life characters in my life, like that's what I wanted to be. I was never cool. I never had like the cool clothes and I never caught the cool like social and cultural references. And I've always been kind of weird. And so I think that these larger than life characters really appealed to me and I wanted to be like them. And so I started storying my life through them. And I think that's where my main character syndrome really kicked in. Now, let me just be clear. Like, I'm not knocking wrestling or Calvin and Hobbes or superheroes or anything like that. I'm just telling you how they affected an insecure, kind of weird kid. We started traveling as a family, like, I think it was seventh and eighth grade, where we traveled around. We lived in a travel trailer. We followed where my dad worked. And this was a this was a cool time in life, but I didn't have a lot of outside influences on me as far as a peer group. And so I think that's where like my narrative about myself became more important than reality. And then my freshman year in high school, they moved us to Georgetown, Texas, just outside of Austin. In my elementary school, there was 27 kids kindergarten through fifth grade. When I was in fourth grade, there was three other fourth graders and one fifth grader. We were all in the same room. Then I go to being homeschooled on the road with my family. And then I go to a high school. I start my freshman year of high school in a school that had way more people than the town I grew up in had. And I don't know if you know this, but when you live in the mountains, you're always behind everybody else. You're always behind like the times and the fashion and stuff like that. And so I showed up to school near Austin, Texas, right around the time Nirvana came out. And I still dressed and talked like Bill and Ted. And so my freshman year, I got picked on really badly, didn't really have many friends. And I think, and so I started spinning this narrative out. At some point, the narrative about myself and who I wanted to be took precedence and became the real thing in my life. And yeah, I don't mind admitting these days through high school, I lied a lot. I made things up about myself. I made up hard situations that I'd that I'd supposedly been through. I made up, I made up things that happened. It, it really was the epitome of somebody spinning out a story about themselves, about living inside a narrative about themselves instead of living their lives. Like I had a way I wanted to see myself. And that was the story I spun out. I never even stopped to think about who I actually was. I wanted to be like a cool, tough, bad kid. I'm not a cool, tough, bad person, period. I don't like getting in trouble. I don't like conflict. I'm not cut out for like hangovers and being strung out on drugs. I got too much anxiety for that shit. But I lived that way because it, it, it fit the picture of who I wanted to be. And we're going to talk about this more in the future, but like that's one of the real dangers of main character syndrome is that you are imposing your idea of reality on reality. And you're letting your imagination be primary. This is a problem because reality reacts in a certain way. 
there were a lot of people who didn't like me in high school. There's a lot of kids who didn't like me. And I look back and I'm like, man, they were right. I got a really good group of friends eventually. And they were solid, just good friends. I think they had to notice that I was full of shit. Like, I think they had to notice that. But there were kids outside the group who just did not like me because they saw I was full of shit. And they naturally avoided that. And that makes sense. That's what we do as a species. We don't like people we can't trust. So this first episode is really just to establish that I see myself as a recovering main character. Nothing I say over the coming episodes is meant to be critical or attacking anybody, because what I can tell you is that so much of my suffering came from thinking I was the main character. There's something weird. There's a disconnect. When you think that you're like this special, amazing person, but you're living an ordinary life, it makes that ordinary life seem like it's not okay. It makes that ordinary life seem like there's a problem with it. It makes you think there's something wrong with you. I have found so much peace and so much joy in ordinariness and in recognizing that I'm nothing special. And we're going to talk about how to do that, how to recognize you're nothing special in a healthy way. I don't know how long this series is going to be. It's going to go until I'm bored with it or until I get tired of this podcast again. So I'm a recovering main character. That's where all this is coming from. Coming up, we're going to just, we're going to kind of dive into this main character syndrome idea. We'll talk about what main character syndrome is next time. Let me be clear. It's not like an official diagnosis, but it's a thing. Just pay attention on social media, pay attention to the world around you. And you'll see that we live in a world full of main characters now, and it's driving so much trouble. I'm seeing it all over the place. So we're just going to talk about it. I'm not going to have a super structured approach to it, and I'm going to do it as long as it's interesting to me. So I appreciate you listening. And I'll look forward to talking to you the next time I do an episode. Take care.